This is the Huddle Up Podcast with J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and John Osher. Welcome to the new era. The Huddle Up Podcast starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 7th. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, NFL media analyst, and John Ozer, Jaguars.com senior writer. The calm before the storm. That's where we are right now. Not a lot happening with the Jaguars three weeks or so away from the NFL draft, but a lot happening still around the NFL. The league quarterback shuffle continued this week. It seems like silly season leading into the draft. We'll get into that. A couple of social media questions as well. Bucky and John join me now. And uh, Bucky, that there was an earthquake in LA this week. Is that right? <laughs> what happened with that? Yes, there was an earthquake this week and it was a little different. It was a little different, obviously, because like, um, I want to say it was like 4.45 in the morning. So you just kind of land there, it rumbles a little bit. The house quakes a little bit. The dog wakes up and it's kind of like trying to figure out what's going on. And then you roll back over because there wasn't any ma- major damage done to the house, so you just kind of you just kind of handle it. John, it feels easy. Now, I'm a homeowner. I'm a homeowner. I'm not on Bucky's level of a homeowner. I'm sure I don't have the four car garage. Neither have but, I. <laughs> neither, neither do I. But <laughs> so you literally just roll back over. Do you go out? Do you check anything? Is that? I mean, I get worried when there's a rainstorm. So oh, you literally just go back to sleep when that happens, Buck. You're just so yeah, no, I, yeah, it just kind of it, it kind of rocked and swayed a little bit, but nothing fell. Pitcher didn't fall off the wall, so everything everything was good. My my dog didn't even freak out. Normally, she would go crazy if it was some big or whatever. She just kind of hmm, rolled over. So you just roll over. It, it sounds like to I me. I live in California, JP. No, that one that's a new one. But I've never been through one. But it sounds like to me that was the seismic shift of the Jaguars making moves in the National Football League here in Absolutely. 2021. That's that's what it was. I think it was symbolic. It was symbolic of the moves that will be made at the end of the month because when the Jaguars put together all the draft picks and all the new players and the franchise quarterback that comes along, big things are coming. I have a leadoff question for the scout. Oh, do it, John. Go for right. it. Take me – well, Bucky, right now, and we come in before the show, there's not a tremendous amount of Jaguars news going on right now. That belies what's really going on inside the building, I'm sure. Bucky, tell people – when you were a scout, if you were a GM right now, what's the focus? What are you doing? Is the board set? I assume it's different because there's no in-person visits. But what's going on inside teams right now in terms of uh, prepping for the draft? Well, we got through the last week of Pro Day, so all of the information now is in the system. So you can finalize. I mean, I'm sure they have virtual cards now. But the cards, so all the information, the height, weight, the speed, the arm length, uh, what they measured in some of those drills, you have all that information that is in. Uh, the board should be stacked um, based on all of the grades and that information being in there. You're now waiting to see what happens with the medical stuff. When they have the combine checkup and all that stuff to come in, you may have different little designations on the card for guys who have certain issues. Some of that might be character concerns. Some of it may be medical concerns and those things. So you, you're trying to sort that part out. And right now, we're into probably cluster buster season, meaning that you have a, a, a group of players that are similarly graded and you're trying to figure out how to rank them. So if we're looking at the cornerbacks and let's just say at the top of the board, you have Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn and Greg Newsom. Okay, how do we feel about these guys if the grades come in the same? Uh, how do we want to rank them? Do we want Sertan, Horn, Newsom? Do we want uh, 
Newsom, Sertan, Horn. How, how do we want to put that in order so we can get it right? Because as these names come off the board, we just want to stay true to the board. So if this blinking light is there and it's our pick, we're going to take the guy that we feel good about. So now you're just trying to find, find go through the, the draft board with a fine-tooth comb so you can make the good decisions on, on draft weekend. And I guess that's where GM comes in, right? I mean, that's where you make your reputation. That's what yeah. separates the men's from the boys, so to speak. Because I'm assuming most teams have most players sort of in similar areas generally. But it's mm-hmm. breaking ties is where the guy who has the final decision sort of makes his bones, right? Yeah, like this This is where it is. And, and, and every draft board is a little bit different. It's like a snowflake. But there's a difference between being a scout and a decision maker. Trent Balky and Urban Meyer, they're decision makers. So scouts can bring all the information. They can levy their opinions and, and fight for their guys. But it's different in terms of making decisions of who are we going to hand in the card and what name is going to be on the card. Because what you want to make sure is that everything aligns. And it's not like a perfect agreement between scouts and coaches in terms of who the player is. But once that player is a part of the Jacks, everyone has to be behind the pick. And so it's really, really important that you take all the information, you make the best decision based on the interests of the team, and you hope that it works out. Uh, Bucky, and, and to that end, too, to, to have the cluster buster going, you, you want to have that board ready. You can't be on draft day all of a sudden changing your rankings. Oh, wait a minute. We, <laughs> we, we changed our mind on this guy in this third round. I, I don't know. You know, you're on the clock at that point. You can't yeah, be doing that. Yeah. Yeah, everything, everything should be done. Um, normally, things are pretty solidified the week before the draft. The last things that come in are typically the medical and then the background stuff. Uh, when you think about the security checks, the background checks, getting the last bit of information, that is the stuff that kind of alters the board the week running up to the draft. Like we finally get word on something. It'd be a, a, a character issue from way back in high school that you have to do because I think the one rule that everyone has is no surprises. No surprises on draft day. After we, after we pick the player, we have the press conference. The fear that everyone has is the question on something that no one knew about. And then you have to answer for it, or the owner has to answer for it. So it's just really, really important that you get all of those things taken care of uh, ahead of time. And then it's just trust in the process. You go through it, you rank them from one to, I don't know, 100, one to 125. And then you just go in order. Don't change on don't change on draft day. Yeah, JP, Bill Polian, when I worked for the Colts, used to tell me that there was a point where they basically put a sheet over the board and said nobody touches it again. That was it. Now, I don't know how realistic that was, but in yeah. concept, that's what they wanted to do. They got to a point, and then all of a sudden the worst thing that happens is you go back and you start erasing stuff, you start moving stuff around. Now, realistically, did he ever at one point, two days before the draft, switch something around, maybe. But that's conceptually what they tried to do is, hey, don't overthink this. Don't go back over yourself. Once it's done, it's done. Yeah, like, uh, John, for me, a lot of times I try to put the pencil down before we get to the combine when it comes to film evaluations and those things because you don't want to be impacted and swayed by a workout. So if you can have all of that stuff done ahead of time, now you just look well, at it. What are we going there the, every year for, Buck? <laughs> What's the point? I mean, the shrimp I mean, cocktail, John. That's why. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, like. So we can hang out at high velocity? 
<laughs> yeah, so we can we can we can have connect connection and talk and all that other stuff. But yeah, you want to put you want to put it down. You want to just use the workouts to kind of confirm things, but you don't want that to impact your grade or to leak into how you view a player. Because I I, I still say this: if the draft was a month after the end of the college football season, it'd be a lot different than where it is positioned now, because a lot of other stuff kind of filters into the evaluation rather than just looking at the player play football. And that's where the mess ups happen. This is the huddle up podcast, JP Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Ozier. Glad you're along with us on the official Jaguars podcast network. The Jaguars did make a signing late last week, linebacker, Damian Wilson, six foot, 243 pounder. First three, uh, 15, six, that's four years with the Cowboys and then two years with the Chiefs. I'm, I'm the math. I had to do the quick math of, of the years right, there. Sorry. That's Alabama math. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, he's been in the last two Super Bowls with the Kansas City Chiefs as a contributor on defense. 14 tackles over the last two Super Bowls, including 10 in the losing effort this uh, past Super Bowl. You know, or what what kind of signing is this second tier free agency, Bucky? What what can you expect out of Damian Wilson? Another veteran present, uh, having somebody in that in that uh, position room that can add some guidance and some leadership. You have Mac, uh, I mean Miles Jack. You have Joe Schobert. You now have another veteran that can get in and play. It's just putting layers of insurance and protection just in case something goes awry. Let's be honest, team is going to be in nickel probably about 65 to 75 percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so you only have two linebackers on the field on most downs. And so what is that role? What does that look like? Who is on the field? Anytime, like at this point, you, you're really shopping at the bar, the bargain bin. Like what, where can we get a good deal for someone that can help us, but it doesn't cost a lot. That's where we're at right now. And so this probably is a good signing for the Jags because it improves the depth and gives them another player that can actually play if he has to get in. This feels to me like a, a little bit of a, uh, of a sign on philosophy, JP, if there's any sense that uh, I don't know that the past regime would have done this sort of veteran behind the linebacker core to this degree. Maybe, maybe not. You know, it, I'm not, I'm not trying to make too much of it. You've got in different spots to me, clearly a want from this regime of making sure veterans are in, are in all the groups, you know, Marvin Jones, uh, Carlos Hyde, they already had veterans on the offensive line. Linder and Norwell certainly qualify there. I don't know that it applies in uh, on tight end, although O'Shaughnessy's a seventh-year guy. And I guess I go back to uh, 2012 or 13 when the last regime took over. They skewed so young, remember, JP? Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. when, when somebody would get hurt, they were rolling a rookie free agent out there with the idea, hey, we'll develop. We'll, we're all going to grow. And I think they learned that it's hard to make everything grow when all you have is youth. And clearly this bunch is going away from that. Uh, Damian Wilson's a guy who, if Schobert or Jack aren't available, he steps in and you've got real experience. You're not playing a kid. You know, that to me feels like a very calculated strategy. Yeah, I I think you're right on it, John. I I think we saw last year with so many babies on the field, it's hard to win with so much youth at key positions. And what you would like is you want to have good depth. You want to have, the, the kind of team that if the number one goes down, the backup can go in and maybe whole serve. May not be able to give you the impact plays that maybe a Miles Jack or a Joe Schober can give you, but he can come in, he can man it, he can hold it down, and there's not going to be a noticeable difference when he is on the field as opposed to the other. And so 
it's just really important as you look at this and it, we wondered what this marriage was going to look like in terms of Coach Meyer coming from the college game, Trent Barkley coming from the pro game, having experience and how you put together a team. I think you're seeing where they're trying to find that middle ground where you have a mix of young and older, not too old, but a mix of young and old, so you actually can win games with the team that you have while you're developing. You know, I just thought of this when you in your earlier comment, Bucky, when you said it's the bargain bin kind of time frame. I, I you know, I don't know when the last time you guys went to a Best Buy was. Bucky, you're probably yeah, not, not yeah. even allowed to go right now. No, I've been because I've it's been. Tell, you know. But yeah. so you know, you, you're checking out. You go up to the front, and they don't sell CDs anymore. But they used to have this little like circular bin that was five dollar CDs, and most of it was just trash, like just stuff they're just trying to get rid of but if you dig down deep enough you might find the best of the commodores and then that's a great cd but it's a five dollar cd hey you you know so maybe damian wilson is one of those types you can you know it's an old standby you can throw it in on the car you know it's going to be a banger after a banger and he can get the job done well i think i mean i think that's i mean i think that's really important um to be able to do that to be able to bring somebody in that can play it's one thing to have all these young guys that are developing, but at the end of the day, JP and John, you have to have enough guys on your team that can play. And Coach Maya and those guys can talk about developing and want to teach guys how to play, but, hey, man, it gets, it gets hard teaching everybody. You don't want to have to teach the entire team how to play. Like you want some guys to know how to play and, and have a level of, hey, we can go out here and we know, oh, those are the sidelines, those are the end zones. Like, hey, this is like, oh, they're 100 yards on the field. You want to be able to line up and play and look like a team. And so some of that is certainly bringing some of these veterans in that can play and have also had success because don't underestimate the value of coming from a winning program in Kansas City, coming to Jacksonville, and not necessarily saying that he holds court in the locker room, but winners win. And winners kind of understand what it looks like when you're winning. And so there's some value to that. Been to the Super Bowl twice, won one of them. Uh, The Huddle Up podcast continues, and the league quarterback carnage continues. I don't Mm. know if this is carnage or not, but a big trade. Sam Darnold traded to the Panthers for draft picks. What will the Panthers do now with Teddy Bridgewater is the big question. And uh, obviously the Jets are going to go quarterback at number two now that they've got rid of a guy they just drafted a few years ago. This is a, another big one, and just add it to the list of things that the Jaguars aren't really too worried about, Bucky. No, they don't. Jaguars don't have to worry about that right now. Um, I think it's telling. I think what we've seen is uh, a changing and a shift in philosophies when it comes to quarterbacks and how we view quarterbacks. Right now, uh, we used to think about them as the sacred cows, the ones that they, we hold on for dear life, making sure that we can get every little bit out of them to see if they can show any sliver of greatness or excellence at the position and right now teams are moving on and cover your rear end if you picked him cover your rear end too yeah yeah like now yeah you know what we want better so we're moving on we'll see if we can get another another player and also with sam Darnold, i think is going back to the blueprint of building a super bowl team a quarterback on a rookie deal that enables you to build up the rest of the team so now you're balanced in all areas. You have a good team, a good offense, a good defense. You have a quarterback that is growing. And then as that quarterback goes from being what we call a game manager to a playmaker, then you can remove some of the pieces and know that he is good enough to make it right. And if you don't have one of those quarterbacks that can make it right, you kick him to the curb and find another one. Start it all over again. All right, stat time for you guys. I can't wait. Stat, but love you know, like, John's a stat guy. You're love my oh, stats. Guys. All right. Um, 
Year one, six touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Ooh. Year two, eight and 13. Year three, two and 10. Year four, 14 and 15. Year four, I mean, year five, four and six. That's Hall of Famer Dan Fouts. Oh, man. Like, like, oh. like, 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 yeah, that, that's like a, like a completely different game. Like, but I mean, like, that's my point. Six years, in, I mean, that's, I get it's completely different, but he became a passing quarterback. Like, he was right. Eric Coriel. And yeah. I was making the point long, and it wasn't quite like that, before, you know. In the last year, but it's transitioned out of that gradually from what but you know what Bucky's talking about. That used to be it, and then it got to where you had to be good in a certain amount of time. Now, it, I mean, what's the year now? What, I mean, everybody's given up on two already after one year. Yeah, I mean, we are in we are in a point where, as Bucky said, uh, we had Peter King on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and he said the exact same thing you're saying, Bucky. The change in philosophy on quarterbacks. You're talking about McVeigh and Shanahan giving up on guys that got them to the Super Bowl and yeah. all of a sudden hitting reset and saying it, it's always been a quarterback's league, Bucky. But now it's almost to the point where teams are saying, that's all I need. If I have a quarterback, once I get the quarterback, I will build everything else around it and I'll make it on that. And I'm exaggerating because 49ers Rams obviously have, have other good players. No. But no. it's so it, much different than even it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I, I mean, I mean, John, like, y- if you're going to quote Dan Faust, I mean, you know, you can't smoke on the airplane anymore and you're supposed to wear your seatbelt, too, when you're driving cars. Like, you're back in the, the Faust yeah. era. Like, yeah, Dan Faust I mean, isn't I mean, Sid Luckman. I mean, what I mean, else? What else? I mean, in the, in the locker room back in those days—that's the four thousand yard I mean, passing smoke, era. That's the modern era. At halftime, I mean, you're talking about that. <laughs> I didn't know when you were reading those stats. I was like, "Who? Who, who is, is this?" And, when, and, and then when you got to year four, I'm like, "Why is he still playing in year four? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, it would have never happened today. <laughs> right? No chance. So, you made, yeah, you wouldn't so, have made it through year one now with that." <laughs> No, he started so now, ten games. He was six and thirteen. Yeah. Hey, so so now here's the difference, John. It's not only the way that we evaluate them, but the pressure also should go on coaches in terms of how they're developing the quarterback. For so long, we used to always hear, "Hey, he has to sit out because he has to learn our offense." Now, if here's your quarterback, you need to huddle up with him and figure out what offense you guys are going to run because yeah. he's starting. So whatever he did. So, for instance, I am sure they've had this conversation uh, in the building where uh, Brian Schottenheim and Darrell Belleville have gone through and looked at all of Trevor Lawrence's tape at Clemson. And they're trying to figure out which of these concepts can we put in the game plan and in the playbook to help Trevor feel comfortable right away as a rookie. That's what it was. Before it was, A, this is the team playbook, bang, learn it. Now it's how can we meet you halfway in year one doing things that you know? In year two, can we flip that ratio to now with 60% of what we do and 40% of what you know? And then can we eventually get it where you're doing all of the stuff that we want to do? It, it, is, it is different. And, it, and you have to be able to get it right, right away because with the rookie, the rookie contract situation, you want to be able to cash in on those five years that you have a guy on a rookie deal. Wasn't I guess da- upon reflection, 
Fouts was a rookie 48 years ago, so maybe I am dating him. <laughs> right. He's, he was teammates with Johnny Unitas, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. I mean, Humbly, I mean, yes. <laughs> right. I mean, so I was waiting for – I was like, okay, so th- he's going to – He's going to quote like Peyton Manning's rookie year and the interceptions and those things or whatever. But then when you kept reading those numbers and those numbers were kind of small in pedestrian, I was like, man, I, I, they, they need to pull the plug on that quarterback. Whoever, whoever. <laughs> it does sort of speak to it, though. I mean, all kidding aside, it does speak to it a little bit that who knows? There may be some guy out there right now that never gets a shot because of that approach. You know, I mean? so there is a case we made. It's not going to change. But there is a case to be made that what quarterback's been given up on? Rosen. Josh Rosen. Yeah, yeah, so, Josh Rosen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Josh Rosen is good. I don't know. But uh, it does stand to reason that in this environment, for better or for worse, teams do give up. And it's even hard for a second chance anymore. Once a guy's given up on the Darnold approach, where a team goes and trades for him after a team's given up on him, that doesn't happen that often where you get a legitimate shot anymore. And maybe it's going to change because yeah, they're, they're changing so fast. Yeah. Maybe these QBs will get at least one more shot. Uh, Sam Donald gets an opportunity like that, um, and other quarterbacks will get opportunities like that based on how people view them in the draft process. So Because it's so soon afterward now. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, there, there are a lot of people that really are holding tight to their pre-draft grade on Sam Donald, and they're saying – well, no, when I scouted him, I know he has all of that. So those guys typically get a second, maybe even a third bite of the apple based on how you view them. And what you're saying is, I mean, it's nurture over nature. Like, hey, we need to make sure that we get them right, put them in the right environment. We got the stuff around them. We, we have all this stuff that he needs, and he's going to flourish because we have the secret sauce that others didn't have. Now, there's a level of arrogance that comes to that when you think, Oh, just give them to me. I'll fix them. But that's how, I mean, that's, that's how we view it. That's how it well, is. NFL coaches do come with a certain level of arrogance. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> From I mean, time to a, time. Just, I mean, just a little, just a little bit. Just From a little, time just a little arrogant. They got all the answers. A little bit. Uh, this is the Huddle Up <laughs> Podcast, and season ticket renewals are underway. You better hurry. The deadline is this Friday, April 9th. Demand is sky high this year, so if you don't renew by then, folks who put in new deposits for this year will have their opportunity to get the best seats at TIAA Bank Field. Look for the renewal link in your email. Visit jaguars.com or call 904-633-2000 and subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods and give us the five-star treatment as always. Big story around the NFL this week is or one of the big stories not the big story we're not going to go into the sean watson stuff today that's the the big story but another big news you know worthy topic this week has been justin fields and going into the draft process you know there's there was this comment uh, i believe the other week by orlovsky of espn yeah dan orlovsky yeah that was talking about his work ethic. He said he'd been told some teams were concerned about Fields' work ethic and desire to be great. And then Ohio State head coach Ryan Day called out the comments, of course, and defended him and uh, talked about his work to get back into the playoff after losing, petitioned to have a season in the Big Ten this year. That wasn't going to happen. All of a sudden, he kind of led the way on that. 
you know, scouts didn't travel this year to campus sites. So at least to, to mm-hmm. go to the building and visit with guys. So where were they firsthand on this? I don't know. And then you go see the playoff game this year against Clemson, where he gets hit right in the ribs, missed one play threw four touchdowns after the fact. And uh, I, who knew he was going to come back in that game? I, that was no way. So yeah, there's a there's an imbalance there, Bucky, and there's this there's these anonymous scouts and sources, and this is silly season. This is yeah. what we're left to talk about with three weeks to go. Bucky used yeah, to be one of those anonymous sources. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I bet, right? Yeah, it, it is silly season, and there's a lot that's going to be reported. I think what is um, different now because the evaluation industry is driven by like hot takes and opinions and those things like we get that particularly when it comes to the media side of it and i think every year we pick a guy that we just kind of hammered this year's justin fields and so he is under the, the the scope and people are picking apart his game and some of the other things that kind of come along with it i will say this just having watched trevor and justin because they didn't grow up too far from one another they were always quarterback 1a and 1b um i think anyone that saw them on the field together you could appreciate the talents that both bring to the table. Trevor Lawrence is every bit of a franchise quarterback in terms of the way he carries himself and those things. And I would say the same thing with Justin Fields. It is just interesting that things are so loud right now that you just never know. You never know how these stories are planted, how they're kind of cultivated and blown up. But it certainly dominated the headlines for about 48 hours. I mean, you even had her street mad. Right. ESPN yeah. had to tell them both to tone it back a little bit, I think. <laughs> Herb Street got on him a little bit, it sounds like. John, I yeah, don't know. I mean, yeah, had a, had a little infighting, had a little infighting in the building. You know, um, yeah, you don't like to do it. And I understand, like, it, it, it's, a, it's that time of year. It is silly season, and things will get hot and heavy as, you know, like, having known the game. Like, guys are putting misinformation out there to kind of get people off of the scent when it comes to which players they like and they – may pick they want to see those things pop up in mock draft so you know you want some end runs and some reverses and all that stuff to throw everybody off like we're in the cia john or something this is crazy yeah. come on top secret. yeah it's it's uh James i'll be Bond. honest with you i have thought almost not a whit about any other quarterback bucky no i i am i am growing my hair shoulder length oh <laughs> i'm gonna God. be a golden god oh, i am man. all in on the Trevor train, are you? Are you? and uh, I, are you? I am, are you? I am ready to go. Look, I think Justin Fields is going to be good. I, mm-hmm. I thought it when I was watching him. I think a lot of the Ohio State, Indiana storyline. I think you may have been talking about this, Bucky. I'm not sure who I heard talking about this. His bad games, I think, were vastly overrated. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I just don't, you know. To me, I've just been on the Trevor train all the time. No, I'm growing so, my hair out. Yeah. So here, here's the thing: other five quarterbacks selected in the first round two guys would be really good two guys would probably be yeah and one is going to flame out and so now it's the shell game in terms of which one do you have and so that is a delicate balance because there's so many factors that impact how they perform at the next level from supporting cast continuity stability of the organization and the coaches to play caller to be the players on development man it It'd be interesting to see how this plays out because draft night we may see four come off the board like bang, 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 bang. Yeah, Daniel, I have a question for the scout. Yeah, but uh, quickly, Daniel scout. Jeremiah had like five in the first seven picks in his latest mocks. That's a lot of quarterbacks. Go I ahead, John. Yeah, that, that, that's a lot. Well, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, I know you're on the Trevor train too, Buck. I, did, 
I don't think you're going to grow your hair out, but you know, I think you're on the Trevor train. Can you but, grow your hair out? First of all, Bucky, let me jump in. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can grow it out. I can grow yeah, it out. Like show you offs. Do. You're a bunch of show offs. Both <laughs> no, of guys. I can't, no, I had it in high school. I can't do it no, now. No, but that's what I grew it out. It looks just like yours. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Sorry to interrupt. Um, if you're a GM with the number one pick, I know you're picking Trevor, but tell me why you're so convinced on Trevor compared to Justin Fields. What is the thing that makes you think I can go to the owner and say, I know we like Trevor because we've heard of him forever, but here's why football wise, it's the right pick. Here's why I don't want to go swing at something else. I think you are willing to go to the mat for Trevor because of the person. Um, because what everybody wants is you want someone who's as invested in the process of being a champion as you are. And so when you investigate around Trevor, the one thing that everyone would say is, hey, look, he may not turn out to be, but he's definitely going to turn over every rock to make sure that he gets to, to that point. And so if you can have someone that's going to pour everything that they have into being an elite or an exceptional quarterback, you're okay with that because if – he falters, but you're seeing him do the work, pour in. He's doing all the other stuff. He's trying to lead the team and do whatever, and then he's not good enough. That's one thing. It's another thing to be extremely talented, and that player doesn't work. And I think the more that we are around Trevor, the more that we don't get the sense of entitlement and those things. Now, maybe that changes in year two, three, or four if he has some success. But right now, he's just about his business. He goes about it, and he has a maturity that I think you can – that you can hit your wagon to. So I think that has more to do with it than the A-plus talent that he displays as a thrower and runner and all that. I think it's the person, the leadership ability that he displayed that makes you feel great about him being your QB1. You know what? Sold. Go ahead and pick him, Bucky. Great sales yeah, I'm, pitch. I'm going to pick him, and then the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put him in a single digit if he wants. Because <laughs> with, the new, with the new numbers with the new numbers things, like I, uh, I think I want to – I think I want to put him in a single digit. And we don't have Jimmy. I like, I need to know, can they bring zero back? Because, man, if we can have zero. This is col- this throws, not college. They did that in college last year. The single zero know, is ridiculous. Yeah, like, Jim Otto wore double zero. Let him just have that. That's in no. the old days. Quarterbacks can have single digits now. Like, that's fine. Put him in single no. digit. That's fine. Everybody, everybody, open season. I want to see the fat guys with the, with the single digits. I want to see the big D lineman with the snowman, the eight. I want to see somebody wear number eight. I think it'd be so great. JP is coming. I know you don't like it, but we're running out of numbers. I, well, we're that's on the Chiefs. Numbers. You know what? Hey, don't retire all your numbers. You might have numbers. No, but because of the practice squad stuff. I know what it's for. I know. I get it. I, but, hey, uh, you know what? You know, Everybody uh, else had the like, issue, too. Like, 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 here, like, here you go. Now, I thought you were the young, hip guy because we got on J.O. about – his Dan Faust reference, and here you are trying to have them old Bear Bryant. 14. Like, come on. Like, Dan like, Faust like, wore 14. <laughs> he wore a good, solid quarterback's number. He wore 14. Butkus wore 51. We want some of these low numbers. We get to see corners with single digits and 19s and all kinds. Of, it's going to be so much fun. Back I think the- they should restrict them more. Oh, man. I, <laughs> I think they should restrict them more. Wide receivers should only be in the 80s, and if you're out of numbers, you can't sign a receiver. Yeah, you only get you only get <laughs> ten receivers. <laughs> oh well, sorry about it. Good luck. Right. It's gonna be so much fun because people per these, position. All of these numbers are gonna change, 
everything, all the new jerseys coming out. I like it. Well, there was a, I think this is John, I think you and I talked about this briefly, but there was, I think back in the fifties, LSU tried a new numbering system where they used a letter and a number. So it was Q one Q two was the quarterback L one two whatever it was. They had letter and it lasted like a year that nobody could understand what the hell was going on. So I mean, I mean, it could be worse. I could say it, that. It could be worse, but it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna see all these guys wanna change the number. It's gonna absolutely blow up everything that play by play guys wanna do. Like it's gonna be very complicated for you to get your little your little card, your little <laughs> your little board, like you know, your little boards trying to keep up with everybody with all these single digits. And if they let us do duplicate numbers like in college. Don't even don't even think about it. What are we doing, Bucky? No. Steel four and, and white four. This like offense and defense is four. professional what? football, Bucky. <laughs> Let's go. Let's wrap up today with a couple of social media questions. Starting from at Hodari 11. After quarterback, what position do you think is the most important that the Jags need to address? Could you provide a couple names of that position that might be available at 25? That's rather specific, but um, all right. What's the most important to address after quarterback? Depending on Cam Robinson, I would say offensive tackle because you want to build your team like we play in chess. You want to protect the king. Yeah. So we got to make sure that we get the tackle situation solidified. I know uh, Coach Meyer said that, you know, he wants Robinson to be around for a long time. But let's just make sure we, we got the right guy, especially if one of those big-time guys like a Trey Jenkins or a Derrishaw, some they, they happen to fall right into our lap. Yeah, we take, take, take the tackle. Can't go wrong with offense tackle. Yeah, and I'm starting to wonder, uh, the more you study it, Bucky, I think we talked about this. Offensive line makes sense for a couple of reasons. I think because of so much versatility in these linemen. I know, Becky, we talked about this. The fact that so many mm. of these guys that are at the end of the first round have played left tackle. They can play right tackle. Uh, most of these guys, from what you tell me, have the ability to play guard if necessary. So yeah. you've got that. If you draft a left tackle and you re-sign Cam and either Cam or Norwell move on, then you can play him at guard next year and you're still – so I don't know if it happens at 25, but – the more I think about it from that end, the less it would surprise me at 25. Good yeah, question. I, I think that's the move. That's a good question. That's a really good question. Our uh, last question today from at Denton Thomas, what players not named Kyle Pitts would you consider moving up for in round one? Where is that sweet spot? He asks. I say nobody, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't know if there's anybody. I wouldn't move up for any of the pass rushers. Um, the wide receivers, I believe you can get outside of it if you need it. Cornerbacks are very similar. I don't think you need to move around the board to get that tackle you just talked about. I don't know, man. I don't really I don't really think there's anybody that is a must have. Like outside of the quarterback position, I don't know if there's anyone that you like, oh, I have to have this guy. The safety position we can talk about, but like, eh, I mean Do you move fine. up for Merrick though? Yeah. No, you know, if he's there, you take him, or there you yeah, get the next there, guy, yeah. right? And be fine. Yeah, like well, the next guy is pretty think, far down in terms of safety, right? Uh, I wouldn't say like he's head and shoulders. I mean, there's some separation, but I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a guy to have it. Signing Josh Jones back, bringing Rashawn Jenkins over, I think they did a good job of, and, and you hear old school execs say, you always want to have a team that if they if we had to play a game today, 
could we line up and put an offense and a defense out there that could compete? And I think you're probably at the point with Jacksonville without the quarterback. I mean, unless you want Minshew Mania to do it, but I think we could we could field a competitive team based on what you have, and that's what you like to have going into the draft. That hey, if we need to put the ball down and play, we can play. I think the Jaguars right now are good enough to play. So yeah, there you have. There, there aren't many. And uh, thanks for the questions today on social media. Appreciate that. Uh, three weeks to the NFL draft. I'm sure um, you're a busy man. Are you going to be wearing the for the? This is a podcast. It's audio only. So Bucky today <laughs> is in a lovely sport jacket with a nice. What is that? Uh, kind of floral tie oh, yeah, and a, a yeah, pocket like, square yeah, little, and the whole little, thing. Yeah, a little pocket square. Yeah, little whatever. I'm just playing. I'm playing. Uh, TV because I, I have on shorts and all that uh, below, so I'm I'm playing like the the local the local broadcaster right now, you know, <laughs> like, like that's what I'm doing. So yeah, I'll play. I'll put a suit on for a little bit, do a little TV, mess around. We're gonna see you all over the screen in the next few weeks, I'm sure. All over the little place. bit. It's gonna be fun. But man, wait, wait to wait to Trevor Lawrence, like you get the pick, and how excited we're gonna be about the Jacks. Oh yeah, it's coming. It's right. coming. John, you've got uh, Daryl Bevel this week. Uh, Daryl Bevel on the Ozone podcast. And then uh, something I think fans should check out. We haven't talked about a whole lot. Uh, Bucky and I, mainly Bucky, the draft series, the text uh, draft series we've done on Jaguars.com has uh, really worked out well. You know, I kind of break down the Jaguars angle of it and write a lead to the story. And then Bucky really digs pretty deep on the top prospects at each position. So that's been run on Jaguars.com. JP, I know you've been reading it. And I think it's pretty good stuff fans should check out. Love it. Great stuff as always. Bucky, we'll talk to you again next week. Hey, man, it was, hey, this was much better than me weaving through traffic and doing it. Like, I was able to really slow down and take my time and talk and all of those stuff. But I tell you, every week, first is the traffic, then I had the, earth, the earthquake this week. My goodness. There's always something. There's always something here on the Huddle Up podcast with Bucky in L.A. <laughs> it is the seismic change in the NFL, I believe, is what it is. John, we will talk to you a little later today. I'm J.P. Shadrick for Bucky Brooks and John Ozier. Thank you for listening, and remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get those pods. Give us a five-star rating, and we'll catch you next time on the Huddle Up podcast.